0: Alan Wasalan, welcome to J.U. Israel Teacher's Lounge. (laughs) You didn't like that? Uh, That just caught me by surprise. Uh, Where we give you insight behind the headlines so that you feel in touch with what's going on in Israel. And boy, is there big stuff going on related to Israel. Uh, I'm your host, Michael Unterberg, here as always with co-host Alan Goldman. How are you, Alan? I'm doing pretty well, Mike. Oh, that's so good. I would argue that today's topic where we will be discussing... The United States decision to defund UNRWA uh, is probably the type of current events moment that this podcast was created for. I would agree. I think that, you know, like if you've taken our course or even if you haven't, but you're you're interested in what's going on in Israel and you're a little far away, I think for most people who aren't staying very connected to Israeli current events, I don't think people are taking seriously enough how big a deal this is. And this is major, and the consequences could be enormous. So we have to first explain what UNRWA is. To a certain extent, we have to understand what Palestinian refugees are and what refugees in the world are. And then I think we really have to talk about what America defunding UNRWA means, and we have to talk about what, uh, if we think that's going to be productive and helpful or not, or what the possible consequences could be, especially since uh, Mahmoud Abbas, the president of the Palestinian Authority, uh, also known as Abu Mazen, uh, is really not doing well. A- and we're not even going to get to the topic of should Israel, Jordan, and and the Palestinian Authority become a confederation, which was a major diplomatic discussion he had with Shalom Akshav on Sunday. So there's just way too much to, for us to deal with in one episode. I think there's too much to deal with in one episode from UNRWA, but that's going to be our focus for today because, boy, is this big. Boy, is
1: this big. I don't know if it's as big as Ben Kingsley playing Eichmann, but it's big. Uh, I think it's definitely big. I think the Confederation is just just, uh – you know publicity stunt
0: I agree it was diplomatic chit chat. it was oh i 'm perfectly reasonably
1: looking at all possible options, and what's interesting Again, you say that to uh, in a piece now you know meeting is not really saying it to anybody who has really any serious power in Israel, so
0: well, I think it's also okay, so I guess we are getting into this, yeah. but <laughs> but I think it's a dismissal of there are rumors that the Kushner who's trump 's advisor on the Middle East, the Kushner Friedman, who's the ambassador to Israel. Uh, and Greenblatt's peace plan, revol- res- re- re- the center pillar of the plan is that Jordan and the Palestinian Authority will create some sort of confederation, and so the Palestinians will come somehow under the aegis of Jordan instead of Israel, and they will get a degree of autonomy that way.
1: I actually do think it, fun- it does part of the unruh th- in the UNRWA thing, because part of that idea of the confederation is that you get rid of the concept of Palestinian refugee right because most of right most of jordanians are palestinians oh no question that
0: this is part of that when the when the uh trump administration has decided to defund UNRWA, this is part of that kushner greenblatt friedman idea
1: of how to resolve the situation here now so how so mike so mike how does it resolve the situation meaning i'm not saying it really does we don't know but what what is the thinking behind it what is a what is a palestinian refugee how is that different than uh, uh, every other refugee person uh, in the world? Who's making those distinctions? I mean, let's start there, maybe. Let's start there. Well, let's actually start even a step further back, which is
0: UNHCR. I never remember. See, here's my problem. Do you remember what they stand for? United Nations High Commission on Refugees. Thank you. Stan- that organization deals with the problem internationally of refugees. That makes sense that the UN has a, has an organization I mean, there are hundreds of thousands of refugees. There are tens of millions of refugees today in the world. It's probably, it's. It, 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 I think at this point, the number of refugees from the Middle East and from Africa have surpassed the post-World War II refugee numbers. I think it's surpassed it at this point. It's like 60 million. I think it was 40 million after World War II. Yeah,
1: I think way far, but part of that, is the part of the numbers is internally displaced. So 62 million refugees, Refugees and internally displaced people. What's internally displaced as opposed to a refugee is like in Syria. uh, A refugee would be someone who left Syria because of the civil war there. Internally displaced would be someone who still stayed in Syria but is no longer in their home. Right
0: Now, this is not only a humanitarian crisis that that it makes sense that the UN should address, but it's also incredibly – I'll say destabilizing for other countries around the world because everybody now has this problem. It creates instability and chaos. I mean, this is, we, I mean, historically, when you look at, for instance, how the Roman Empire fell, partially it's just the, the constant movement of people makes the maintenance and st- stability of the empire impossible. And we're watching numbers that could do that. UNHCR, whether they're doing a good job or a bad job, I get it. In the 1948 War of Independence, which ended really in 1949, between Israel and its neighbors, um, the population of Israel at the beginning of the war was under a million Jews, Mm 600,000, and something like a million Arabs.
1: A little bit less. Yeah. A little bit less than a million Arabs, something like, yeah, 900,000. Yeah, whatever the exact number,
0: seven hundred fifty thousand of those fled Jewish-controlled areas. Partially, they were chased out later in the war by Jews. Before that, many of them fled because they just didn't want to be in a war zone. Some of them were advised to leave on mostly like radio broadcasts or things like that uh, by Arab leaders and 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 sort of common wisdom saying. Get out of the way, and then you'll be able to return to your homes in a few weeks when we kill all the Jews. It didn't happen. And by the end of the war, you have three-quarters of a million people displaced from their homes in Lebanon, Syria, what we call today the West Bank, and, wow. and Gaza, and uh, Turkey, like a little, a little bit further afield. An organization was formed for these people. Because the U.N. said they had the right to a state in their petition plan of 1947, an organization was formed to these people. You are a proto-nation state. Your status has to be uh, protected and your rights protected. And it was and the organization formed was UNRWA, which stands for? United,
1: United Nations Relief and Work Agency.
0: Uh, right. Why doesn't it have a P?
1: I have no idea. Isn't that funny? Yeah.
0: Because it's for Palestinians, and it defines refugees not like UNHCR, which says if you fled your home due to a, a, a valid fear of violence. It says if you lived in, under the British mandate between 1946 and 1948 and you left because of the War of Independence, you and your descendants are now considered refugees under UNRWA.
1: So, actually, the full name is just United Nations Relief and Works Agency for Palestine Refugees, though we call it UNRWA. Well, it says – it calls itself UNRWA. That's the official name of the organi- – it's not called
0: UNWRAP. Correct. Probably somebody said that sounds like – Yeah. yeah. unwrap <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like a product that you buy on, like, late-night TV commercial, infomercials. <laughs> like, have you had trouble unwrapping your presence? So, somebody said, don't call it that. Call it UNRWA, and they left out the P. The-
1: high Commission for Refugees. Sorry, I'm – United Nations High Commission for Refugees versus United Nations Works and Relief Agency. Yeah. Now, the High
0: Commission for Refugees says if you fled, we will help resettle you, start a new life, become a citizen somewhere. And once you're a citizen with a functioning life, you're good.
1: So how do they each define refugees? That's what really is the difference here.
0: Well, the difference is that if you were the person who fled and we establish you as a citizen so that you you have rights and you have work and your kids have school, you're not a refugee because you're now resettled. Palestinians were told that if you lived within that two-year span, between 46 and 48, if you lived in Palestine and you were one of those people who fled, meaning you could have moved to Palestine in 1945, and if you lived in, I don't know, Svat or or I guess I didn't know so many. A- anywhere that became, basically anywhere that became Israel. <laughs> <laughs> Haifa, Lod, Akko, Jerusalem. So, if you lived anywhere that became Israel. Svat so also. Right. also. Yeah and you moved out, you now are declared a refugee, your children are refugees, and you're descendants through the mail line in perpetuity. So that the number 750,000 are now well over 5 million, according to the UNRWA website. Well, that's the opposite of what you want for refugees on the one hand. UNHCR seeks to find you citizenship and settle you. UNRWA was created not to create a two-state solution. It was created in the wake of the Independence War to say that these 750,000 people have to be able to move back to their homes. And that has always
1: been the policy of UNRWA, including... That, that, and that that's what called. was called, it was a UN resolution, um, just like there was a UN resolution for, a general resolution for Israel... For a General, it's, general it's, Assembly it's, resolution. A General Assembly resolution that the the... To solve the Palestinian refugee crisis, they passed a resolution resolution called the right of return, and that's one four seven one four nine. Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, um, and they and which means that the only solution, according to that, which has become the the um, the UNRWA policy, is that Palestinians should be resettled in their original places. Which means, of course, in, technically speaking in the state of Israel today. Which is a crazy right. No refugee anywhere
0: on earth has the right to return to the home that they came from. Palestinians do have that right, according to that UN declaration. Why? I'm not sure. In other words, if you're a... I think you are. The politics. Yeah. Yeah. I just meant reasonably why. Yeah. They're giving some sort of special uh, reason. I think because of their statelessness. Now, take why well, the Kurds don't have that. nobody has that no. nobody if if you were if you were a, a a German who was bombed out of your home and you moved to Italy, you don't have the right to get that house back. You may even want to be repatriated to Germany, but nobody says you get to live back on the block where you came from. That's never been a thing. The right of return which which Abbas calls the most basic human right of all. I don't know, I, I would think eating is like a pretty more basic human right, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are probably more basic. It's not even a thing. And they talk about it like it's such a obvious, everybody gets the right after a war to return to the home where they fled. No, they don't. There's no such war. There's no such people. Name a war where the people get to go home to the houses they fled. It's not a thing. Uh, but uh, Especially when they started the war. <laughs> well, uh, I mean- well, well, their people did. In other words, the person who fled their home didn't start the war, obviously, but the Palestinian side did. And so, but even but like, I, I just don't get it. But that's 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 the. I mean, I do get it politically. You're right, because what it would mean is they would come back in and 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 because Israel's a democracy, vote the Jewish state out of existence.
1: And I think we have to like point this out that it's clear how this all got started and has become, as you said, a fundamental in the Palestinian cause is that at the end of the, the independence war of Israel, it wasn't, there was no peace treaties with anybody. It was all ceasefires, right? So this, this was the manipulation of the UN by the Arab parties and their supporters to basically continue the war. Right? In another means. They lost the war, so we'll continue the war. How are we going to continue the war? We'll we'll claim that right of those Palestinians to go back to those places, right? After having rejected a two state solution, right? And, and 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 also rejecting any kind of peace negotiations with Israel. And we're talking about 1949. Um so this was a way to keep it going and to keep those Palestinians as a as a pawn. In this game against Israel of the local Arabs, and we're not the only ones who say that. You can look that uh, the, uh, the King of Jordan of the time, right, uh, said it very clearly. I think what a year was 19- nineteen sixty, right? Nineteen sixty says it very clearly. The pawn, and that's coming from the only country that actually did grant the Palestinian citizenship in those years.
0: Well, when he when he took the Palestinian refugees and granted them Jordanian citizenship, he said it's disgusting that we're not that all the other countries are just using them as political pawns, and I would say that's immoral. But the the, and I just want to point out that those Arab countries weren't choosing to use these 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 victims as political pawns instead of violent war. It was in addition to, in other words, they didn't give up on war against Israel. You see that in the fifty, well, to, for sure in the sixties and seventy-three, that they that they want to continue the, the the military war, but they also want to use this as a diplomatic pressure point as a wedge to 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 push the Jewish state out of existence. It's a war on all,
1: all fronts. And, uh, delegitimize. From the beginning, it's a delegitimization of the Jewish right to uh, self-determination in, in Palestine. Now, if you're a Westerner
0: and you, and you voted to legitimize Israel and think it has a right to exist, but you say, well, but, now, but as a humanitarian, I have to worry about the Palestinian people, so I will also support UNRWA. And now you have a problem because, of course, you should support refugees. That's why there's UNHCR. UNRWA is now going to keep them in refugee status in Arab-controlled areas where they will not be granted citizenship so that their refugee status will be perpetuated and declare their descendants to also be refugees. It is the only refugee problem that grows by the decade instead of shrinks because the point isn't to make these people's lives better. It's to promise these people that they will be able to live and become citizens in Haifa and Akko and Jaffa and, 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 and all of these places. In or, and this is the part that's not said, in order to undermine the Jewish state's existence through elections.
1: So, so let's just, I want to push this a little bit clearer and then let's go on to the defunding. But I want to do one more step, which is that after 67.
0: Israel takes over the West Bank and now has control and Gaza and takes control of a good chunk, if not the majority of these refugees. And over the subsequent decades, certainly in the 80s and 90s, the international consensus should be is, well, we're going to need a two-state solution. And whether you agree or disagree, that's certainly the international consensus of the best way to resolve it. And the discussion becomes, how do we turn the West Bank and Gaza into a Palestinian state? Again, whether you like it or not, that's what the consensus is. At that point, UNRWA now has no purpose. Oh, how do we get these people into the West Bank and Gaza, into the Palestinian state, so they can become citizens of a Palestinian state? But UNRWA continues, logically. If that's the international consensus now, then UNRWA's purpose is voided. But UNRWA is not voided. It continues. And people, children in UNRWA schools, because UNRWA is school, and, and Palestinians are consistently and constantly told by UNRWA, yeah, yeah, there'll be a Palestinian state in the West Bank and Gaza, and you will live in Haifa and Akko and Yafa. In other words, it's not Jews who live in the West Bank will have to move into the Jewish section, and you, Palestinians who live in refugee camps because, I don't know, because of UNRWA. The minority of Palestinian refugees who live in
1: refugee camps?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, not in Gaza. In Gaza, I think they're the majority. Uh, I think it's like 70% of Gazan Arabs are not from Gaza.
1: Yeah, but they're not in refugee camps.
0: No, they have left. Uh, it's only, uh, there's over a million in refugee no. camps, correct. The minority of the refugees currently live in refugee correct. camps.
1: Correct, that's what I was saying.
0: Yeah, but a two state solution to most Westerners and certainly Israelis means okay, so if there's a Palestinian state, you'll live there. Jews will repatriate to the Jewish side. I'm not sure why that has to be. Why couldn't they live in Palestine if they wanted to? But that's the deal. And Arabs will be repatriated to the Jewish side. Because the UNRWA principle still stands in the minds of the Palestinians even if there's a two-state solution. Now, every Western leader who talks about this, I mean, Barack Obama talked about this in Cairo in 2008 in the speech where he said things that were problematic, but he did say, he did say, Palestinians are going to have to give up on the right of return. It's a non-starter because it's, it, the right of return unravels the two-state solution. And since I believe in the two-state solution, the right of return has to be off the table. They don't work together. One destroys the other. Great. So then the one that has to go is the right of return. Palestinians still demand it. They rejected Abbas and Arafat, rejected deals from Israel, from Ehud Barak and Ehud Omer, based on the fact, among other things, Based on the division
1: of Jerusalem and based on uh, right, Israel military, military presence, as, as we teach in our course, right in, in our units, we have three fundamental units based on what, what, why the peace process has fallen apart. One is Jerusalem. One is the what we call the occupation, or or what what will be the territorial lines, and one of the, the third sticking point is the refugee status. And here we see that the, the Palestinians have insisted on a maximalist approach to the refugee problem refugee, refugee problem where israel has finally finally it took years but really more or less come to terms with the fact that we're not going to get our maximalist what we want in terms of land right if we're looking at the government decisions i'm not talking about individuals who think this way or no the, the Palestinians certainly have not given up on that and that and the right of return is one of the major sticking points of Of the of the problem between us, because they continually insist on a Palestinian state in the West Bank and Gaza and right of return, which would mean millions upon millions of Palestinians having the right to move into the state of Israel,
0: which essentially means a Palestinian state in the West Bank and Gaza and a Palestinian state in Israel.
1: So at at least a binational. Right? Which, right? Whether we we, we can say that, but but, so it means at at best, at best for us, Palestinian
0: state and a binational state. Well, that comes down to just numbers, right? There's about six and a half million Jews in Israel. There's about 1.8, 1.9 million Arab citizens of Israel. 1.9. Bring in, let's say, up to five million Arabs in Israel,
1: you now have 6.9.
0: You now have a majority Arab state.
1: And even if you don't, even if you bring in 2 million more Palestinians and you're talking about they become 40 percent of the state. That, that's not, that's the binational state. That's no longer... Well, why would Hanukkah and Pesach be the national holidays if the state is 40% Arab and non-Jewish? By, by the way, it could be kind of not it's the worst kind of deal. Maybe we'll just be maximalist on all the holidays and we'll all get all everybody's holidays off. And then we'll basically have holidays like all year round.
0: You have just made an amazing argument for the binational <laughs> shared state. Are we willing to give up on our Zionist <laughs> dream of Jewish self-rule in order to have more time off? That's a tough one. I don't know. You've got... <laughs> but let's... So what is... Funding UNRWA? Do? Well, I don't know. First of all, United States ends up. I think it's something like thirty percent of UNRWA's funding actually comes from the United States. The rest comes from around the world. But the argument is, this isn't helping. This isn't helping. You're 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 shooting the pot. UNRWA, which still exists, as attempt to undermine Israel's existence and use the Palestinians as a pawn. Uh, and therefore is is part, if not the source of the problem, of why Israelis and Palestinians don't live in peace. It's certainly a major creator and continued cause of that friction. Defund it, which the United States cannot do unilaterally. It can just pull out its 30%. Let's open up the discussion now, if that money isn't better spent, turning these refugees over to H- UNHCR See how many of them are actually refugees under that definition. The number shrinks from five, over 5 million to a really small number. Many of them are in Jordan,
1: many of them are citizens. In the West Bank and Gaza. No, over. Uh, 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 all of them in Jordan are citizens, over 2 million. And the plus, I mean, by the way, you also have many of the Palestinians living in Israel still have retained citizenships of jordan not all of them, but 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 many so like yeah. what do you know so then you're not a
0: refugee you're you're a resettled citizen if you live in the west bank and gaza you live in palestine according to the two-state solution thinking of the un you live in a palestinian territory you are not a refugee you may not live in the city that you grew up in i mean for sure you do because but no no, for sure you do. no, no there are very few old people the number of actual people i mean oh, i think uh, who actually grew up in these places in Israel, as opposed to if you grew imagine your, your parents grew up in Gaza and you grew up in Gaza and you're a refugee because your grandparents lived in Yafo. UNHCR, that doesn't make any sense. So the question is, how do you get these people citizenship in an established nation state? Not, why are we treating you like refugees? It, it, when I teach this unit about, UNRWA to our students, I say to them, early in the unit, I say, if you start feeling super confused and feel like things aren't making sense, then you're getting it. UNRWA makes no sense. Unless it's part of a concerted effort to undermine the Jewish state's existence. As a solution to problems, to have Israelis and Palestinians live in peace, it is absolutely disruptive. And that's the point. So if you think of it, so here you have an organization within the UN, which explicitly demands that Israel has a right to exist and now demands that the Palestinians should have a state in the, in Gaza and the West Bank and opposes Jewish settlement there and Jewish expansionists. I, I thought that was very – I thought in that Einat Wolf interview, she expresses it very well. The international community is against Jewish expansionist views of including the West Bank and Gaza and Israel, and you can agree with the international community or not, but the community internationally was pretty clear that Jewish settlement in the West Bank is a bad thing. Okay, well, they also have to be against – Palestinian expansionist dreams of having a state beyond the West Bank and Gaza and taking over Tel Aviv and uh, and Haifa and Yafo. So expansionism is not the solution. Okay. Then expansion is not the solution. Then UNRWA is not the solution. If you you take out the numbers of Arabs who are citizens, who were born and grew up in Palestinian territory in the West Bank and Gaza – you you end up with a number. That, I think it's under half a million. It's like a few hundred thousand who are left. It's like two hundred thousand or oh, something. Way less. Way less. It's less than that. Yeah. Who
1: who? Those are alive. People who people actually live. fled their homes and are now not citizens of anything. I think during the Oslo process, when they were talking about, they were talking about a hundred thousand, right? They are talking, and I think it's even even less today, right? Um, obviously, because the years have gone. We're now you know how many years later on, so. So, yeah, it's – I mean you're not even talking uh, – I mean because the, the, that was one of the deals. One of the proposals was that Israel will repatriate 100,000 to match that number right. that was still alive more or less. Um, so I don't remember the exact numbers. But if you do what you were saying, go by the UNHCR, they're talking about tens of thousands, maybe 20,000, maybe 30,000 who would still fit under the category of being a refugee. Someone who doesn't have a citizenship in another state. Someone who hasn't been resettled. Someone who isn't in Palestine. Well, that to me is what makes sense. I didn't realize the number was that low. But that's what... You, that,
0: I mean, you don't need UNRWA. You have UNHCR. Palestinians... This doesn't mean that the, that the, the political reality of Palestinians' status quo shouldn't be fixed. It just means that obviously... A refugee board promising that you're going to live in Yaffa one day, and you're, if not, your grandchildren will, is not working on a solution. It's working on exacerbating the problem. Sure. Get rid of it and start over again. Now, I don't think the U.S. defunding will get rid of it. Already you have other countries pledging to meet the difference. We'll see.
1: So, yeah, but so, so should we be applauding what the U.S. is doing? <sighs> I, I wish – I'll tell, you what, I'll tell you what Mike's problem is. Mike's problem is he doesn't like things being haplap. He wants yeah. to see a strategy. He wants yeah. to see a process involved. What, what is this going to lead to? Where, what's the end game? Is it just closing something down and then walking away or is there … I'm a
0: process guy. Uh, Nikki Haley has it within her. She should have stood up at the rostrum of the UN and said, here is what the UN is now working for. We are working to stop UNRWA because it's counterproductive to the UN. So there's no reason the UN should be supporting an organization that's working to undermine the UN's agenda. So we will now lead the charge to defund it. We're going to work, and I'm going to now sit down with our allies and do a full court press to get them to agree to sunset UNRWA funding totally over the next five to ten years and replace it so that we won't – because there's a danger of – look, in addition to schools – First of all, in schools, the kids are learning something, and you don't want kids out of school. But also, UNRWA does provide food because there's massive unemployment and it's totally dysfunctional. So we have to, just like, you know, anti-welfare arguments, we can't throw people in the street tomorrow, but we have to come up with a way for welfare to help you get back on your feet. And so we have to come up with a new plan in the UN. We're going to start by sunsetting UNRWA. Within the next five to ten years, the funding will deplete every year until it goes to zero. And in the interim, we will be working to replace it with solutions that improve the lives of Palestinians and create resolution and peace in the Middle East. That's what I think they should have done. They didn't. They just, we're not playing. Which, okay, I mean, I I just don't, that's
1: undiplomatic, literally. I mean, so basically what we're talking about is we, we have a status quo. A status quo that's been going on for at least 50 years. One could argue maybe back all. I would say seventy, but certainly since fifty years since Israel took over the
0: West Bank, right? That's a hundred percent fair. That you can't argue that for fifty years we're in a bizarre status quo that makes zero sense.
1: Right. So, um, so we're so now that that status quo is disrupting, and when you disrupt the status quo, so first of all, real people get hurt. So, like Palestinians are not some abstract. They're, they're they're little kids. They're kids who are starting school, just like our kids today. They're, they're they're elderly who need you know medical care. They're working parents, even though you know even in so, a lot of places there's bad unemployment. They're working parents. I mean, it, it, and it will it will affect uh, certainly, of course. One of the I mean, and again, this is sort of your double-edged sword. Is one of the big um, uh, employers. Of Palestinians in the West Bank and Gaza is UNRWA. Yeah, it's amazing. I think something they have like 30,000 employees, and most of them are Palestinians. So, it, you know, it has real effects on people's real lives. Well, to be fair, I, I, I believe in the State
0: Department's uh, uh, announcement, whatever you call it, their announcement of this policy, they did say that they would take steps and find ways to make sure that the humanitarian aid aspect. Would still work. Now I don't know what that means, and that's the problem. If you're if you're going to do a massive change of status quo that that scares people about their daily security, uh, financial economic security for sure. I mean, I, where's their where's their wheat coming from? Where's their flour coming from? So like, so y- again, I, I just wish it had. I, I, I don't think it's the wrong thing to defund UNRWA. I think UNRWA needs to be dismantled for anyone to have a hope for a better future. I think it's really the source, a major, not the source, but a major source of the problem. But you need to do it in a smarter way. Now, they didn't. Again, again, this disrupting. You disagree or or you're you're, you're just bringing out – are you disagreeing with
1: me that you – No, I'm not disagreeing. I just want to flush out that this idea of this disrupting has real effects on personal lives Real people, because I think we sometimes forget when we 're ha- having these discussions about big organizations and things of like that on the one hand, on the other hand, right where's that line between enabling uh, uh, enabling something that that is go- that is a, a negative process
0: there's no question it's enabling there 's no question it's enabling and that enabling has to be I think what you do when you 're enabling is you wean off mm-hmm. and you make a clear plan for what to do what to replace the enabling with look.
1: I think in addition well, to... Sometimes in interventions, you have to go cold turkey also. Back, could be. Back. It could be. Yeah, look, you so can say... One could argue that in the process of how the UN works, international, this and that, works, that you can't really wean. Because it never... You know what I mean? Like... Just break it. I mean that's a little bit of the – seems to be the Trumpian philosophy throughout, right? I agree with you. The Trump doctrine is it's so broken that I can't play anymore.
0: I'm only going to be in charge here for four to eight years. I'm going to have to break everything and then we'll fix it and replace it with something better because the broken status quo needs to go and replace it. I understand that argument. Look, in this neighborhood of the world – and obviously you can't do things because terrorists want you to do them. But the Israeli security establishment has been saying for years, be very careful about undermining a Palestinian sense of where their food is coming from.
1: That will cause a security threat to Israeli lives. So you can say that they're. But, but I, and then that, that's the criticism. That's one of the big criticism that one has of Netanyahu government. I think that you could see is that they're very. He's a status quo. Everything is status quo. You, you see that from the Kotel to the to the Palestinians. Let's keep status quo because. You know, and it, it, let's keep status quo in these issues because we're going to keep building the economy. That's kind of I think in a big adult. Um and so you know status quo has its its problems, right? It doesn't it doesn't come up with solutions. Well,
0: it doesn't build a better future, and political leaders often, not always, often prefer status quo because it keeps them in power, um, unless they unless they are known as disruptors and change makers. So that if they're not disrupting, then they lose their uh, their, uh, their reason to be leaders. But for most leaders, once you've established a power base, status quo means I can hold it. So I, I do think that's the Netanyahu administration thing, and I, and I think it's worthy of criticism. I just don't think it's a binary choice. What I'm saying is you don't have to choose status quo or blow the whole freaking thing up. You can choose smart dismantling. Now, what you're saying, and I think you're right, the Trump doctrine is, yeah, but that never works. In other words, but these these little piecemeal negotiations to fix it end up just starting with good intentions, and they end up being broken down. You know, a, ca- a camel is a is a horse made by committee. You know, you end up in this bizarre, nothing ever comes out of it. So I'm just going to blow it up, and then hopefully we'll be able to put the. But on the other hand, that's also going to be done. But the putting back together will be done
1: by committee because the it's not only that the the governments like that these institutions like status quo unra the status quo is good for unra <laughs> look i, I yeah a hundred
0: percent it's a self fulfilling bureaucracy look i'm not i can't believe I'm about to argue in favor of uh james you know, baker no no but 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 baker knew I'm saying Nikki Haley could do a a full court diplomatic push. Baker knew how to get Arab countries behind American initiatives and internationally get them part of a coalition. I don't know why Nikki Haley and others couldn't get – and Pompeo, let's say – couldn't get uh, uh, the Sunni Arab world to get behind this idea of we will – don't worry humanitarian aid. We're going to take care of the Palestinian humanitarian aid. But UNRWA's got to go. I don't know. I don't know.
1: In other words, look. Well, you do. I mean, you do know. That's not how they work. That's not how this government's working. I mean, that's...
0: That's not how this government's working, but you asked me, do I think they did the right thing? My answer is, I think they're... I agree with their goal. I don't prefer their method. On the other hand, how do I know I'm right? Maybe their method is the correct way to... I I don't know. I just think it's not the right method. But that's that's just my opinion.
1: Right. And so, I mean... uh, in the end of the day, we have to see. We have to see if actually they are defunded. If there are other governments that are promising to t- take up the bill, if they do, very often when they promise, they don't actually come through with it. Oh, no, uh, never.
0: So- I, the, the, the European and Arab countries saying that they're going to take over the slack from the United States, with the United States alone on its shoulders is thirty percent. I'll eat my hat. It could. It could be.
1: I'm wrong. I'll eat my hat. I've never really seen you wear a hat, but okay. Um, and I don't want to eat my keeper. Exactly. That's what I was as I was looking at. Um, but I think there's the things to look at, but I think no doubt this is more than a tremor. This is an earthquake in in a bigger earthquake than moving the embassy to West Jerusalem. Oh. Um, this is fundamental to the source of the
0: of the issue. Uh, right. That's a symbolic realignment, which could, 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 could cause stress. This is a shifting of the tectonic plates, potentially, as is the not far in the future, uh, 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 ending of Mahmoud Abbas's reign as quote unquote president of the Palestinian Authority. This is, if you care about Israel, this news story is big. Yeah. And, and if you care about Israel and Israeli news, you should look into this and understand it better. Hopefully this episode was helpful, but I'll put a few links into, into the podcast for you to research more. You need to understand how central this is. This is the kind of thing that teacher, we as teachers have been teaching about for years, and we're like, yeah, this is just one of those weird problems, but it's just going to be like this. And suddenly there's a major shift. This is big. Meaning we have to redo our unit now. <laughs> it's more work for us. Thank Thanks, Trump. Yeah.
1: So uh, I would say Shana Tova.
0: Shana Tova. We're going to do a break for a few weeks. We have some, this, the, Partially because of the holidays, we're going to be busy. Partially we want to do some rethinking and readjusting to improve what we think is an already uh, important and helpful podcast. We thank you for listening. We appreciate when you rate us and recommend us. Um, And everyone should have a healthy and uh, productive New Year. Shana Tova. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, Mike. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Jerusalem U, the Israel Teacher's Lounge Podcast. Please feel free to subscribe through whichever service you use. Also, come join us on the Facebook page and ask us questions. And keep up to date with what we're doing. We love feedback. Also, we would really appreciate it if you could take a few minutes and review and rate us on iTunes or Stitcher. It would make a very big difference for us, and you would earn our eternal gratitude. Thanks so much.